and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui. Give me 45 minutes or so, and I'll give you a daf or so. Yeah, we extended it this week. We got a lot to cover today. So, yeah, this is the last podcast uh, of the year. Rosh Hashanah is tomorrow, begins tomorrow night. We go into a whole new year. It's not bad. Almost the beginning of a parak, beginning of a new year. Yeah, diving into still swimming in the Sea of Talmud in, in a very literal sense, going down to the ocean with Rabbi Rabbi Khanna, and then soon we'll see many other people. This week, uh, wish the year had ended on a more positive note, but this week we had the Supreme Court letting stand the Texas legislation that is attempting to basically outlaw abortions. Though in California, there was the beginning of a chink in the armor of the police unions with passage of two bills, uh, which were uh, highly um, opposed by the police unions. And so that's a good thing. If you're a Californian, it's SB2 and the Vision Act. Um, Both of them were opposed by the police unions, but yet they were passed, which is very good news. Looking back over the whole year, this year has been something of a, you know, mess. 600,000 plus people dead in this country. Apparently the latest statistics, something like 12 to 14 million people worldwide. We have a vaccination, we have a vaccine. So now uh, there was a major, major sense of relief and light at the end of the tunnel and then bam, Delta. And we're back in it Um, though. Folks who are vaccinated are way less susceptible to infection. Way more people are coming back to Dabin, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur in person, actually Shabbaton in person. Hopefully everybody is taking the proper precautions. Everybody should be vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, turn off the podcast right now. Go out and get vaccinated. Seriously. And then tell everybody you know to get vaccinated. It's, it's, I, I don't understand it's not sea monsters. It's a it's a thing. And uh, yeah, so hopefully people will come together for Shana, the spiritual sustenance that one only knows in community. So, speaking of sea monsters, let's go back to. We're going to start actually on seventy three B, six lines up from the bottom. Zimna chada habaka zilna bamidbara. So we're going into the desert, actually. Rohana says, after all this stuff about going down to the sea, we'll go back to, we'll get back to the sea uh, soon. But now we have this section finishes off with a series of desert stories. The wild things you see in the desert, and desert here kind of means the end of the earth. And uh, in the last of this set of stories explicitly means the end of the earth. So this week we're going to get through, there's a lot of material to get through, so... We're going to get through it, and then next week, which, and it doesn't even finish then, thank God, lots more. Next week, we'll do some more, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of look at, look, take a, a much wider view of the whole thing. Probably make some comments as we go, because, you know, I can't stop myself. Zimna chada habaka zilna ba midbara. Rabbi Rahana said, one time we were walking in the desert, Rabbi Itlave bahadan hautaya, and an Arab came uh, and uh, accompanied us. We kanakit ara. Ara probably means some kind of a, a Bedouin, some kind of a, a, a wandering person. We kanakit ara mitarte urchata. 
And we took land, earth, from two different paths. And he smelled the two different dirts. Amar, and he said, This path goes this way, and this path goes that way. We brought him more, more dirt. He said, you are eight parasangs from water. We brought him more dirt from the other path, apparently. You are three parasangs from that other dirt. We tried to trick him, and we brought him dirt from this path and said it was from that path, and we couldn't trick him. I will come, I will show you those who died in the desert, in the plague that was brought on by the golden calf. So we went with him and we saw people who were passed out as if they had been either mivsime or if they had been drunk, veganu, and lie down on their back, or michseme, that they had been covered over. And one of them was uh, lying down with his legs up and his knees bent. And a, a, an Arab came and rode on a camel and took a spear in his hand, but he didn't touch me. So I went and cut off a piece of the tchelet from the, 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 the purple string from the tzitzit, from the, the guy who was, who was lying on the floor, from one of the people who died in the desert, from the story, the biblical story. And then afterwards, my, my camel, uh, our, all of our camels wouldn't move. Amra... So the, the Arab who was our guide said, Maybe the guy, our guide said, maybe one of you took something from them. So I gave it back. Because we learned, We learned that one who takes something from them will not be able to move. So we gave back the tchelet, and we moved along, and we were able to go. Ki atay midrasha. When I got to the Beit Midrash, to the study hall, Amrili, they said to me, call Abba Chamor, call Barchana Sichsa. Every uh, Abba, and this is Rabba Barchana, so Rabba is Rav Abba, every Abba is a donkey, and every Barchana is arrogant. Mechte Hana Chutin V'chalyata Ikebet Shamai Ikebet Hillel so if you wanted to know how many strings and how many knots there are, whether it's according to Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel, a classic debate in Halacha, you should have just counted and then brought it to us. So they told him in the Beit Midrash, the only possible reason that you would have wanted to cut off part of the tzitzit and brought it back is not just for a souvenir, but in order to solve a halachic question, how many knots and how many strings there are in each of the four corners. And you could have done that just by counting, and uh, you didn't have to actually cut it off, and uh, you would have actually been able, now you didn't count, you didn't cut it off, so you are a fool. Okay, Amarlan is now back to the journey in the desert. So apparently that was a 
jumping ahead to when he finally got back to the study hall, back to the journey in the desert. So the, the guide said to them, I will show you, come, I will show you Mount Sinai. So we went and we saw that it was surrounded by spiders who were as big as either Libyan donkeys or white donkeys. Nafak bat amrai, a bat kol, a divine voice or the voice of God, came out and said, Woe is to me that I have taken it, that I have sworn. And now that I have sworn, who will break my oath or who will allow me to break my oath? It says God saying, apparently, that the oath and these oaths are are referenced in the end of Tractic to Boat that uh, the oaths of not allowing, uh, after the temple was destroyed, not allowing the Israelites to come back to the land of Israel. When I came back to the Beit Midrash, So again, didn't get a great reception, said every Abba is a donkey, every Barchana is, a, is, is an arrogant. So you should have just said, I am abrogating your vow. It is abrogated. The Anna Savre and I, Rabbi Babrachana, thought Dilma Shua de Dorhamabul Have. And I would have, I thought it was actually the oath of the generation of the flood, which is very different. That that's when God swore that God would never bring a flood again on the world. So Rabbi Babrachana didn't want to say it's abrogated because that's, that's good. Rabbanan and the rabbis who were in the Beit Midrash said to him, Aili Lama, if that's true, why would God say Aili Shanishbati? Meaning, oh, it's terrible. Woe is to me that I took the oath. Does God actually want to be able to flood the earth? Amar So now we're back to the guided tour. To Achvi ki blue de Korach. Come, I will show you the remnants of, of Korach. Again, this the biblical story of Korach, challenged Bushe, who was burnt up and was eaten up. He was swallowed up by the ground. Blue de Korach, the, the place that Korach was swallowed, Korach and his whole, his whole community were swallowed up. So he, he showed us this uh, kind of pit in the ground, a crack in the ground, and from it came a thread of smoke. Aiti givava da amra. We took a ball of wool, amshevamaya. We dipped it in water, vekarche rumche, and we wrapped it around a spear. Udachatia ikle veichrach. And when we put it into this this hole, from the heat, it was burnt and it, it was charred. Amarli. So the the guide, the Arab guide, said to me, "Atzit easy my deshamatacha. Listen, what did you hear?" In the in in this hole, v'shamit, and I listened and heard the kaamri that they said Moshe v'torato emet v'hein badain, that Moses and the Moshe and his Torah are true, and they are are liars, meaning the whole community of Korach who had challenged Moshe, they admit that they are liars. Amarli and and the guide said to me, Kol tlatin yomin mahadrilu geinom kibasar ba kalachat. He said, every 30 
days in Gehenom, in hell, they turn them over like meat on a spit, and they say Moshe and his Torah are true, and they are liars. Amarlan, so we're not done with the Torah yet. Tu achvilachu hecha de sechifa rakia ilve ara. So come and I will show you where the, the heavens touch the earth. Achvilan, so he showed us a place. Chazai lahai kuta, I saw a basket shaped baked dish. Shekalte lisaltai, I put it in the basket, but anchita begava, and I put it on that place where, where the heavens and earth met. Aditzlai, I went and I prayed, and until I finished, by the time I finished praying, Hadar Gilgala Ashkachte, the earth turned, and I didn't find it. Amri, Dilma Chasvishalom Gandhikah. So I said, Oh my God, could it be, Chasvishalom, heaven forfend, that there are thieves here who stole my basket? Amarli, Inter Adlamachar, Kihashta, Hadar Galgila Leduchte Vishakatli. Just wait until tomorrow. At this time, the earth will return and to its place, and you can take your basket. Okay, so here we have those. That's a set of four stories. Um, these four desert stories, four desert stories, which have to do with biblical stories. We saw we talked we, we talked last week a little bit about Dina Stein's insight into these stories. That the stories are about talking about the truth of the stories. Here, we don't have these statements like Ravashi saying. If I hadn't been there, I wouldn't have believed it. But here we have biblical stories being imprinted on land and Rabbi Baruchana going, as it were, on a tour of, of biblical stories, right? He starts with those who died in the desert, then Har Sinai, then Korah, and then the place where heaven and earth meet, which isn't a biblical story, but, you know, and these are also end of the earth stories. Okay, we're going to go back to the, we're going to go back to the ocean now. Rabbi Yochanan Mishtai, Rabbi Yochanan said, Zimna chada havaka zilna besvina. One time I was going on a boat. Vidali hau kavra reshe, vidamian ene litre sihare. And this fish raised up its head and its its eyes it looked like two moons. Vinaflu maya mitre kime kitre mavre desura. And water came out of its nostrils like two rivers from Surah. I just want to. A lot of this is very different from what it is, is a bit different. I mean, it's the same order, some, same stories, more or less, but different than the ones you have in the printed edition, because I'm reading this from the Hamburg manuscript, which is seems to be the best manuscript, according to scholarly opinion, instead of just having, just going back and forth and, and changing things. But the reason I remembered here is because kime is actually a word that's in the Hamburg manuscript, but actually Sakhalov says that we don't know what it means. And, and zime, which means nostrils, is what's in some of the other manuscripts, uh, the the other good manuscripts in the Munich manuscript, which actually isn't a great manuscript, but also in the Paris manuscript and, and the printed editions. And in the printed editions. Yes, I said printed editions. Okay, so now, Rav Safra Mishtai, we have another couple of going in the boat stories. Zimna Chadahaba Zilna Besvinto, one time I went in the ship, Vidali Haokava Reshe, and a, uh, a fish raised up its head, and it had two horns. And it was carved into the horns. And it was written, I am the least of the creatures in the sea, and yet I am a hundred parasangs long. 
and I am set time, and I am about to be eaten by the Leviathan. Right? I am invited to the mouth of the Leviathan. Amravashi, how is ukachisha? Rashi said that is that animal is called the izadiyama, the the sea goat, and what it does is it uh, uses its horns to dig in the in the earth in the in the in the ocean bottom. Rav Yonatan another one. Zim nachada haba azlina b'svina. One time I was going on a ship. And I saw that there was this crate or carton upon which were stuck, uh, were, were, were glued um, all kinds of jewels. And this fish, whose name was Karshi, was wrapped around this crate. So a diver went down to to bring this box with the 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 jewels. So this fish tried to kill it. So he went back and he threw a skin bag, like a, a, I guess a skein, uh, kind of a, a leather pouch or something like that, of vinegar at the karshi, and it went away. Nafka bat kala, so a divine voice, God's voice came out, va'amra, and said, Mai of the tichu bahade kartelita, what are you doing with this crate? Did the bitu of Hanina Bendosa, which belongs to the wife of Hanina Bendosa, the itba techelta, the sharia hute litzadike la alma daati, in which there is hidden or saved techelet that that we that uh, was we saw just before on the tzitzit of those who died in the desert, but the tchelat, the purple string, um, which is left for uh, the the tzitzit of the righteous in the world to come. So leave that box alone. That box has nothing to do with you, and the fish is guarding it because I want it because that box is for the righteous in the world to come. This week's podcast is brought to you by the Cucumber Council of America. You know those times when you want to snack on something that's not too spicy or spicy at all, but at the same time not really sweet or sweet at all? Something that's crunchy, but when you bite into it, there's no danger of taste. Well, then you are looking for a cucumber. Big ones, little ones, they've all got that refreshing lack of any sort of taste. Cucumber, it's not a food, but it's not not a food. Okay, now we're going to go on a, on, on a number of stories of great sea monsters and jewelry or jewels and then just great sea monsters and then we'll get to the midrash stories midrash sukim stories stories are based on verses Rabbi Yehuda Hindua Mishtai Rabbi Yehuda Hindua who's apparently Hindua might be kind of Hindu I don't know if that but he's uh, in Kedushin it says that he was a convert so he might be from India who knows um, I don't really know. So he said, Zimna Chada Habaka Azilna Bisvinta. One time I went in a boat, Vachazina Lahu Evan Tava, the Hadarle Tanina. So I saw that there was this jewel, precious jewel, that a, a Tanin wrapped itself, wrapped around itself. Tanin is like this, this mythical snake creature. Nachid Bar Amodai Vitile. A diver went down and brought it. And so the the tanin 
A sea monster came and swallowed the ship. So this bird, the Pashkitsa, which we've actually seen in previous stories, came and killed the Tani in Itapihu Mayaladama. And so all the water was turned red from blood, or all the water became blood, literally. So another Tanin, his friend, his fellow Tanin, came and took him and picked him up and brought him back to life. And then that first Tanin, after being brought back to life, came and swallowed the ship again. And the, this mythic Pashkitsa bird came and killed the Tanin again. Shakle uparach. And so the the he took the the bird took the tanin and and flew away and when it flew away the jewel fell onto the ship. The the jewel fell onto these birds that had been salted. So they were dead birds and they were salted apparently to so that they don't get rotten and they eat later. They they rose to life. They were reincarnated. Or they were resurrected, not reincarnated, they were resurrected. Shaklua uparuach, and they they then took that jewel and they flew away. So we have lots of life and death and life and death and precious jewels. So now there's a story. Now we have Rebbe Lezer and Rebbe Yeshua, two of the famous Tanaim, who were going on a ship. Rabbi Lezer was sleeping and Rabbi Yeshua was awake. Rabbi Yeshua all of a sudden like jumped, being scared. And this awakened Rabbi Lezer. He said to him, what, what's going on? What's going on, Rabbi Yeshua? He said to him, Rabbi, I, I saw a, a, a great light in the ocean. Maybe you saw the the eyes of Leviathan. Because it says in the verse about Leviathan that its eyes are like the, the dawning of the morning. Okay, Amar Ravashi. So now we're going to move into some more uh, Leviathan stories. Slowly, slowly. Amar Ravashi. Ishtayli huna barnatan. So Huna Barnatan told me, Rabashi said, So one time we were walking in the desert and there was a, we had, the, with us was a, a large piece of meat. So we, we cut it open and we took out the sciatic nerve so that it was kosher. So we laid it on top of these grasses, and actually it healed itself. In other words, the, to the what was cut open uh, came back. What was separated came back together. So we brought uh, chips of wood, and we roasted it. So the next year we returned. We came back. Have a and the the coals from the from the fire that we had started were still were still burning. The 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 phrase is literally we're still whispering, um, which is which is nice. The coals are whispering. I mean they were still burning. 
So when I came and told this to Amemar, another Amora, Amarli Isve Samtri Habi so he said these were specific grasses, the grasses called semtere, and the coals called ritma. And that's why the grasses have this healing power and the, the coals lasted for a whole year. Hey, we're now going to go into the part of this text, which is based on verses. But we're going to go back to the sea monsters, to Leviathan. And God created the great sea monsters. This is, from, of course, from Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1, chapter 1. Here, meaning in Babel, in Babylonia, it is uh, translated in Aramaic as sea monsters. There you go, Leviathan. But in the West, meaning in Palestine, the land of Israel, Mishmei de Rabbi Yochanan says there in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, nachash bariach nachash akalaton. This is, these are their two Leviathans, the Leviathan, the snake monster Leviathan, and the Leviathan, uh, the, the uh, crooked snake Leviathan. Because in, in Isaiah 27.1, it says, On that day, meaning in the future, in the future time, God will remember and bring down his punishment with his sword, with his, with his heavy sword, his large heavy sword on uh, Leviathan, Nachash uh, Bariach, Leviathan, the, the, the snake, and on Leviathan, Nachash Akalaton, Leviathan, the, the other Leviathan, Vaharag et Tanin Asher Bayam. And then God will have killed the Tanin, which is in the sea. And this is kind of the last round in the future times between the, the Theomachy, the, the, the uh, war between the gods, between God, our God, Yahweh, and the Leviathan and the Tanin which was created by God beating up on Yam and in all these mythical, in these various mythical Psalms that we have. Part of the, the uh, one of the theories of why God created the Taninim HaGedolim on the fourth day is so to show that God is greater than those sea deities, than Yam. And it was God actually who created all these stuff. So there you go. So that's, God created the Taninim, and then there are two different ways in which this is translated, either sea monsters or these are the two different Leviathans. Now, Leviathan has a very, you know, has a long theory, just, I'm not going to say much about it, but Leviathan is a long theory as being a, a representative of power, of, 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 you know, like monarchy, and uh, Hobbes wrote a book called Leviathan, about this, you know, about, about power and the violence necessary for power sometimes. So Leviathan is, has always been the symbol of this great power, perhaps separate from, perhaps subservient to God. Amr of Yehuda Amr Rav, Yehuda said in the name of Rav, anything that, everything that God created in the world, God created it both male and female. And even Leviathan, God created both male and female. And if they had ever had sex with each other, they would have destroyed the whole world, right? So here we see Leviathan is a power which, uh, which can contend with God. So what did the master of the universe say? Or what did the 
the Holy One of Blessing, what did the Holy One of Blessing do? So God castrated the male and killed the female and then salted it to preserve it for the future time. The end of that verse from Isaiah that we just quoted, and God will kill the tanin, which is in the ocean. Now we continue. Next verse. On the same theme, even these animals, these other animals, behemot or, or other, are, are usually domestic animals, opposed to chayot, which are wild animals, but these are kind of mythic animal, domestic animals or great domestic animals. The, the animals that are in the Elef Mountains, Zachar Baraam, God also created the male and female. And they too, if they had sex with each other, God, they would have destroyed the world. What did the Holy One of Blessing do? He castrated the male and he kind of froze the female. Behold, here his uh, power is in his loins and his strength is in the, the uh, uh, muscles of his stomach. The first half of that verse, that's the male, and the second half of the verse, about the muscles in the stomach, that Zoanakeba, this is the female. Hatamnami Litsrisa So now they, they asked so why with Leviathan didn't God uh, castrate the male and freeze the female? Dagim Pritzi. So he said, no, because that would be a problem, because Leviathan is a fish, and it is well known that fish have a very big uh, sex drive. Um, they are prutzot, and so they would, and so that why, as long as the female was not dead, they would have sex. Viliavid ibcha. So why didn't they do it the other way around? In other words, why didn't they kill the male and then castrate the female, or, in, 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 or do something, or do something else to the female, freeze the female? Ibaitema. So there are two possibilities. Ibaitema. Malcha Dishanita Adif. So one, because uh, perhaps salting it to preserve it for the future is better. Perhaps since it says, So it says that God created the Leviathan in order to play with it. It is not Derech Haaretz. It's not appropriate for God to play with a feminine Leviathan, which also the implication is that God is male there. So why don't you just uh, preserve the, the feminine if you don't want the feminine wandering about? Because a fish which is salted is fine, but meat, which is salted, doesn't take. So therefore, you wouldn't um, salt the uh, the feminine of the uh, behemoth, but rather you would freeze it. Okay. So there we're done with the various ways to take care of the Leviathan, and everything's good with the world again. This is kind of a mythical cookbook. Not really. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav. 
when God desired to create God's world, God said to the minister of the of the, of the ocean, to the the power of the ocean, the angel of the ocean, open your mouth and swallow all the waters in the whole world. Yam said to God, I am not uh, greedy. Master of the universe, I am okay with what I have. God was not satisfied with that answer, and immediately God kicked him and killed him. And that's what, and that's what the meaning of the verse is when it says that with God, with power, God uh, pacified the ocean, pacified very strongly, killed. Yeah, this is playing out of the theomachy. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Sarah shel yam rachav shmo. So this minister or angel or power of yam, its name is rachav. And if the ocean had not covered it over, no creature could stand its smell or no creature could stand before its power. Um, and this is from Yeshaya. Eleven nine, uh, they will not be evil, and they will not destroy in all of my holy mountain, because um, the world's filled with the knowledge of God, like the water covers the oceans. Do not read it as it says that the water covers the oceans, but rather it covers Sarah It covers the this minister, Rahab, who's the minister, ministering angel of the oceans, and therefore God, in other words, God wiped him out. So the Jordan River comes out of the cave of Pamias, this mythical cave. Back with Leviathan. The Jordan River goes out of the cave of Pamias, and it goes down in the, the, the Sea of Sibchi and in the Sea of Tiberias, and then it goes and rolls down to the Great Sea, Mediterranean, and then it goes and falls into the mouth of Leviathan. Shnemar Yivtach Ki Yagiach Yardain El Pihu. Because it says, there's a, a verse, Hainya Shok Nahar Lo Yachpoz Yivtach Ki Yagiach Yardain El Pihu. That it will only be sure when uh, the Jordan goes into its mouth, the mouth of Leviathan. So Rabba Barula says, how could you say that that's talking about Leviathan? Earlier in that very same chapter, it was talking about Vehemot. It was talking about so those animals in the uh, Elef Mountains. El Amar Rabba, Rabba Barula, so Rabba Barula said, Answers him, When are the animals in the mountains secure at the time that the Jordan 
goes into the mouth of Leviathan. So Rabdimi, when Rabdimi came back from the land of Israel, he said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, a Palestinian Amora, what does it mean that he, he mean God, created it or founded it on oceans and on rivers? He, uh, he, he established it. These are the seven seas and the four rivers which surround the land of Israel. These are the seven seas. Yamashel Sibchi, Yamashel Tveria, Yamashel Stom, Yamashel Chulta, Yamashel Cholat, Yamashel Pamia, Yamagadol. So these are the seven oceans Sibchi, Tiberius, Stom, which is down by the Dead Sea, Chalta, Cholat, and Pamia and the Mediterranean. These are the four rivers, the Jordan, the Yarmuch, the Kidron, and Fima. And that brings us to a close for this week, though it doesn't bring us to an end of the wonderful mythical stories. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what, what they all mean next week. Just for now, we're just note that we moved from Rabbi Barbarchana stories, which were seafaring stories, and then desert stories, picking up on biblical characters, biblical stories, and then more seafaring stories, and then now we're in stories that are Midrashim around verses, and admittedly, these are just kind of, these are structural, formal characteristics of the stories rather than the content of the stories, but here the content seems to be moving more and more towards kind of apocalyptic, they're all mythical stories, but they're kind of apocalyptic, Leviathan, End of Times, Theomachy, etc., and so forth. And now we'll have to wait to see what next week brings us in 75A in our Beit Midrash in the Closet. It's been such a pleasure being with you this week. My name is Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. You can reach me by email at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. As always, I would love to thank my amazing producer, Ellie Unger Sargon. Please check out his podcast, Four Cubits, with Jeff Helmreich. My amazing chavruta, Charlotte van Robert without whom I couldn't have swum in the sea of, or sailed in the Sea of Talmud, and the communications department here at Daf Shvui Shachar Kohen Hodos. Hope to see you again next week, which is also next year in the Beit Midrash in the Closet. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a sweet, sweet new year. <laughs>